Wait, what am I gonna say? I'm I'm nervous. We haven't done this before. Clearly my co-host just is gonna let me hang out on that one. Yeah. Welcome to the last beer field of the 2021 fantasy football season. Well, I mean, we'll be back next week, but your 2021 fantasy football season should be wrapping up this year. Unless you're playing in week 18. And week For 18. I say, what the fuck are you doing? Week 18 is the new week 17. We don't care. So I can't, I can't wait to create a league that just says, fuck, we, fuck, we get, wow. Ruin that one. Blah, 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 blah. You I can't wait to create a league that says fuck week 18. We're going to talk about league settings here in a minute. I got a bone <laughs> to pick. Jesus. With about four leagues, actually. Uh-oh. Is uh, my league one of them? Probably. It is. Yeah. No, definitely is. It's not really a bone to... We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> um, I'm at Hop... Bia, yeah, I'm at Beerfield Hop with two P's. Chris Hopper. He's at Beerfield Thurry with two E's. Dan Thurry. We are at yeah. Beerfield or Beerfield Podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Um, yeah, we're going to give you all sorts of week 16 preview action. We're going to talk a little bit about what my uh, bo- playoff bones to pick are, other than Russell Wilson. Uh, go over some some bad beats maybe a little bit and then get into some some news and yeah. Preview week 16. Uh, just so you guys are aware, we will continue to do this throughout the entire offseason. Um, we do not stop. It just it gets a little bit less formulaic, if you yeah, will. That's a, that's a good way to put it. Um, that's a big word for me, too. That was a huge word. But, you know, what I can say is we'll focus on probably like real world NFL next week, playoff scenarios and all that fun stuff and actually talk like fans for once instead of analysts. And then we'll, we got some fuelies that we got to do as we do every year at the end of the football season. And then, yeah, we got some, some dynasty content for you scattered throughout the off season as normal, including class looks backs and look backs and rookie previews as we get closer to the draft and non football content making a comeback as well as we get out of the, Hell yeah. as we get out of the football season, get into, more of the beer, brewing, disc golf, whatever we want to talk about, side. Because at the end of the day, this is our podcast. We are beer fueled. We dropped the fantasy football at the beginning, not because we dropped the level of content, just because we dropped the filler and decided to fill it with things we wanted to talk about instead of just NFL dead time. Very so, well said. So yeah. Um, before we go any further, though, a couple things that that need to be mentioned on a less less happy note. Uh, first off, the voice of a generation, Hall of Fame coach of the Oakland Raiders, uh, Hall of Fame broadcaster, famous for booms and turduckins, uh, John Madden passed away at 85 years old. So, you know, the, the football community is definitely in, 
in mourning about that one. There is not somebody who John Madden did not impact either through his announcing. Like, even if you just casually went and, you know, watched the Super Bowl and didn't care about football, you've heard John Madden's calls, you've heard his voice, you've played the video games. Um, even if you weren't a Raiders fan, you know the legend that John Madden was and the personality that John Madden was. And on a, you know, 85 years old is sad, but on a more, even more somber note, um, Bears beat reporter, uh, for ESPN, Jeff Dickerson passed away at just 44 years old. Um, cancer. And his wife passed away two years ago. Cancer. And they leave behind, uh, the part, you know, real heart wrenching part to me. They leave behind an 11 year old son. Uh, by all accounts, Jeff was, um, respected by not just his peers, but peers and players alike as a straight shooter. The guy that enjoyed the prisoner wine, if I had some here, I'd crack a bottle. Um, and was devout to his family and his child's sporting events. There is a GoFundMe set up to help Parker. Uh, as always, the football community in general coming through big time with, uh, over 600,000 there in less than 24 hours. So huge for him. Um, and from a fantasy perspective, just, you know, realize something about, about beat reporters. You know, if they're not your team's beat reporter, you probably don't necessarily know them or know who they are, but they are the backbone of, of this community. Unless you're Matthew Barry or Field Jates or, or Heath Cummings or Dave Kluge calling the Philadelphia PD, you don't have any, any insider, most likely, insider connections to teams. It's the beat reporters that we rely on for the injury updates, the beat reporters that we rely on for the camp updates, for the interviews, and to keep a pulse on what's going on across the NFL. They're immensely important. Jeff Dickerson is a huge loss for the Chicago community, uh, but even more importantly, um, a huge loss for his son. So, Dan, give your thoughts on on Madden and then any if you have them on, on Dickerson, and then we're going to do a moment of silence before we get into the the beer yeah. segment. You know, for what you said about, you know, Dickerson doesn't need to be there's there's no more that needs to be said. It's 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 tragic, you know, that, you know, that 11 year old, you know, you know, boy has to now grow up without both his mother and father because of cancer. And it's just it's heartbreaking. Madden, you know, obviously we we grew up in the age of of Madden as a commentator. Um you know, playing Madden, I played, I mean, Madden's the reason why I even love football. I mean, it, it started with NFL 98, which obviously wasn't a part of the Madden series, but it, it, it quickly grew into me once getting a PlayStation. It was Madden every year. Like I, I, <laughs> I religiously played Madden 03 through Madden 05. Like it was no one's business. It's playing catch so, out in front of GameStops for Madden midnight releases. Yeah, it, it's uh, you know from his com, it just you know from his commentating to you know to the coaching, you know to his uh, you know forward thinking about about player safety and wanting to have more discussions about you know about concussions and things the like. It, it, it's he was a pioneer to that, and you know it, it's you know not just a football community, but you know he 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 helped you know, bring in a whole, you know, crew of people. He helped shine the light on a lot of different styles of athletes to his game. He is 
as essential to the history of the NFL as anything you know could be. He is, and I I hope Madden puts him on the cover next year. And I saw somebody bring up the idea of uh, of taking sound bites throughout the various years and having them be a part of the next year's Madden game as well, and just getting his commentary, not even using any other voice besides Madden. I think that would be an absolutely beautiful tribute. So. I agree, and there's going to be tributes pouring in from around the NFL for for both men. Yeah. Um, in honor of John Madden's 30 year broadcast career, 30 seconds of silence, and we'll bring it back with uh, what we're drinking. What's fueling beer fueled? I almost screwed that drop up and I had 30 seconds to make sure I got it right. <laughs> what do you got? I got Stitchian's Symbiosis. This is hand of face collaboration with my previous employer, Benny's. Um, I was actually head of the beer department when we gave Hannah Faith these barrels. Again, Hannah Faith is a brewery out of St. Peter's. Petersburg. Saint Pe- so I always want to say St. in front of Peter's. Uh, out of Petersburg, Illinois. You put some respect um, on my hometown. Yeah, that just respect on the brewing itself. Uh, Mike, the head brew guy, CEO, founder, everything. It's ridiculous to get at what he does, but... This is their collaboration. We actually gave them uh, foolproof larceny barrels, and this is the uh, this is the product that came out of it. Um, yeah, more of my thoughts on this later. I, it's the can says. I'll read off the can says. This is carefully aged in the dark time. Uh, well, because the whole fucking can's dark. Uh, carefully aged in the dark confines of weeded bourbon barrels that were handpicked by our friends at Benny's. This dark collaboration subweaves showcases the beauty of symbiotic relationships. Working together is always better. All right. And for me, um, look, it's allocated bourbon season. I wanted to showcase something you're going to be seeing on the shelves <laughs> a lot that is not necessarily allocated bourbon. Uh, but store picks hit a couple months ago of this, and they don't exactly fly fast. So this is George Remus, uh, single barrel select. This particular one is from the Rack House uh, out in St. Charles. Or sorry, Cottleville, Missouri. It's basically St. Charles. And um, the St. Louis Bourbon Society. So if you're ever in St. Louis, check out the Rack House first and foremost. Great bourbon selection, solid food. John, Sarah, they run a... a great establishment over there um these are barrel proof so this particular one's 111.7 i have one upstairs it's 127.8 so good amount of variance there but um juice in this is mgp so out of indiana this is actually their label so this isn't somebody else sourcing 
this is their label, their juice. And uh, yeah, full review on this about halfway through the show. Nice. All right. I got a bone to pick. Not, bone. Not, not, to really pick a, it. not really a bone to pick, but a thought. Something that made you upset. Well, and it wasn't just your league. There were, were multiple leagues where this happened, not just to me. And it made me really kind of rethink the the playoff landscape. And I think there's two schools of thoughts to this. Sure. I think one school of thought is you get all sorts of randomness in the NFL. Randomness in your fantasy league is part of what makes it fun. Um, you know, head-to-head matchups are what they are. And then there's, you know, the other school of thought where you want your two best teams or the highest probability there's no guarantee you're going to get your two season long best teams in the playoffs regardless how you do it because there is week to week randomness or sorry in the finals you want the highest probability of getting your two best teams in the championship so it's kind of texting back and forth at Dan and I think our league group chat actually um so I went through and looked I was actually in I've been nine leagues and half of them had a scenario where the loser on one side of the bracket outscored the entire other side of the bracket. Oh yeah. (laughs) And yeah, that's a tough one. Um, yes, I was disappointed, but mostly joking in, in your league about, you know, the real championship week was, was me versus Nick because we outscored the other matchup by 30 plus points. And, you know, waiver wire roulette, Nate Hamilton and I outscored the other matchup by 70. That sounds like Each. the one I had. Yeah. One that I, I screenshot in the group chat of yeah. the other league I'm in. And somebody's, yeah, that, yeah. somebody's got to lose that. And it's real sour because should they, right? If you're outscoring the other two playoff teams by that much, should they? So my proposal, and I'll probably start a dynasty league that's like this, something to consider is still, you know, 12-man league, six-team, two buys. But then your first four in the first week are all play, kind of like how Scott Fishbowl does it. Your your all play, top two advance, two bi-week teams plug in, all play, top two advance, head-to-head in the championship. To ensure that, not ensure, Increase the probability that your highest scoring, highest performing teams get through to the final. Now, that's obviously not an everyman solution. Simply proposing that one is a is a, an alternative solution, if you will. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's funny because we went to uh, my wife and I went to Yanni's zeros last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, two people from that Euro spot is in this exact league, and I'm I'm in other leagues with them, and we and we talked about how can we. It's not even about just high scoring teams. It's not about just the matchups within the actual playoffs, but how can we kind of reward have more of a reward to the teams that actually, you know, work their you know you know paid attention, set their lineups, play the waiver. Had the best roster, you know, throughout the regular season of fantasy, 
how can we better reward that outside of just giving out more money? We talked about that and, 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 you know, you know, a couple of things mentioned were, you know, handing out more of the pot to the higher scoring team, you know, you know, team or teams, however you want to play it out in the regular season, then a smaller portion of the playoff goes to the champion. Mm-hmm. I don't mind this in a league that's got like, you know, maybe four teams in the playoffs, smaller league like that. I think it's better. You get any more than that. I think it, it takes it. It, it does take away a bit of the intrigue of the playoffs. Uh, I wouldn't do it in redraft ever dynasty. No. I definitely would when there's still a lot more to play for with you no know, draft positions and things like that. But I thought that was interesting because this year, this is obviously the biggest year that truly affected that last year. We had issues with COVID obviously, but that generally happened mid-season, so it shook up a lot of things. But we're feeling the effects of of the of I guess now the previous uh, COVID protocols um, greatly affecting the final weeks of the regular season up through the actual playoffs, and we're seeing you know good teams lose to just randomness teams because of you know whatever reason, but. It, that's just the spirit of the game. And I, as soon as yeah. you mentioned about doing a new league, I'm intrigued by it. Cause I actually love the all in play idea. That's why I created the best ball league yeah. on top of the fact that I said in lineups is that I would, I would rather put the best teams in. That's why I can't wait for, uh, you know, for super wire to update their best ball leagues to also do a rotisserie style league where it's all best ball, no head to head, actually no championships and you literally just play through week 17 week 18 and the highest scoring team wins it you just kind of right. paid out like that way that way it, i had a league truly... that did that last year for covid i mean just setting lineups yeah. that's how they did yeah. it It was all play the whole time yeah that that was something that i like obviously that's a bigger thing in basketball and hockey and baseball not as much of a thing in football most leagues don't have that type of style but with the rise of best ball and with the popularity of of best ball type of apps like underdog it's only a matter of time till sleeper who now gave us best ball dynasty is going to give us that style league setting which would also help get the better teams or pay out the better teams throughout the year instead of letting the true randomness play out yep one of the uh we might do this as a regular segment too because one of the things with best ball that i noticed with your dynasty league is how do you keep people you're not setting lineups how do you keep people engaged so yeah yep We'll have plenty more league talk, commissioner talk, dynasty league talk. How do you solve for these perceived problems and everything? It was just something on my mind. No, no, it's good. Like and I we'll, said, you know, throughout the year, you know, we'll talk about it. We'll obviously bring back guests on. Yeah. Stuff like that. And we'll, you know, we'll have questions like this. We'll maybe do a whole uh, commissioner style podcast. John Bosch or Scott on and do something like yeah. that. You can get some some guys who are you know I'm sure are, are seasoned vets of commissioners that want to talk about outside of the uh, yeah. commissioners podcast that Scott Fish and Ryan McDonald built. Yeah, and just how to you know maybe even round panel it, but just how to how to solve for some of these things. That was just something that popped into my mind because you know me in particular, I was bit by it a couple times. Again, not taking anything away from from Nick, who has a juggernaut of a team that finally decided to perform, but there's a good chance that that probably was much like in the NFL. Sometimes the AFC or NFC title game feels more like the Super Bowl than the Super Bowl. That felt more like 
and when after the championship week, like it's probably going to be more of the Super Bowl than the Super Bowl was. Or yeah, the third place it, game between. Oh, no, Sean won, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So you and say, Ian in the third place game. Right. Because the two matchups that made sense to me are Nick and I are the two highest scoring teams in the league. Sean and I have the two best records in the league. So this is what happens. And, and again, in this league that I run, I also divisions reset. Well, it's also divisions, and I also reset playoff brackets for each one. I'm merely the NFL. Right. Too many dining. And what happened to the league that I posted in this chat was they don't reset. And I ended up playing because of where I was seated. I ended up playing the wrong team had it been reseated. And you would have actually had the two highest scoring teams. Yeah. I'm playing in the championship that, I mean, again, it's all randomness. And that's why I, I still enjoy a little bit of randomness in all too. my dynasty leagues. That's why I don't want to get rid of head to head leagues. Well, and if we hadn't like that, and if we hadn't reseated, Actually, I think, yeah. yeah, if you, if your league hadn't reseeded, right? No, I probably still would have had Nick. I can't remember where I was on the bracket. Nick was the sixth seed. You would have always played Nick. Yeah, I believe. that's what it was. I think, I think so. I can, I can, you know, pull up the bracket and actually. Again, juggernaut of a team that dealt with injuries all year. That's the only reason he was six and six and not actually probably kicking my ass for a division title too. But yeah, he's a, uh, you know, best team all year. He's actually been a top two seed generally every year and his yeah. loss, and it takes him being a wild card team to finally... Did you just say best team all year? Generally the best team every year. I was going to say, somebody had a 13-game winning streak and hadn't lost since week one. I don't think best team always yeah. dictates by record. I generally do it by highest scoring well, team. Record, I, had, I think once you calculate in... That's why I said generally. generally. Nick's had a juggernaut of a saying. roster since year two. I was within 20 points of him, I think, for overall scoring, too. Yeah. And eight more wins, seven more wins. That tells you I got a lot more depth. Because everybody dealt with shit. I didn't have Fournette. You had Fournette for all but one week. I didn't have Fournette well, about one week. game. Well, sure. Uh, other bumps to pick, by the way, Melvin Gordon and his measly half a freaking point. Against the damn Raiders. And uh, Russell Wilson's interception uh, last Monday night. Because that cost me a playoff matchup. I just love the fact that the guy I was playing blocked me from picking up Josh Johnson because of not because of, of daily resetting waivers, which prevents people from picking up players you know freely. And I had to play Rex Burkett because of it. And I beat him. <laughs> Thank and you. You beat Thank you very much. Uh, let's see. All right. Going to run through some news, mostly for me, so that I'm prepped when we do these previews. Uh, Dan Quinn, apparently. What is Jacksonville doing? They get one half of it right with Kellen Moore, then they completely botch it with Dan Quinn. Well, no, they had Kellen Moore and Leftwich. I'd consider both of those good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, for sure. But then you have Doug Peterson. Dan Quinn and Oakland's even worse. Or sorry, Vegas is even worse. Dude, Vegas got... is fucking brutal. Gus Bradley, Leslie Frazier, Leslie Frazier, like great defensive minded coach. Or uh, right, great DC. Not a not a not a head coach. And you know, jury's still out on Bob Sala. And you know, Brian Flores has had a good good year and a bad year. But Vic Fangio last. 
you know, defensive coach hired with multiple seasons under his belt now, not so hot. So, just saying. <sighs> All right, moving. Monday's going to be fun. All right, rapid fire on some of this. Drew Locke set to start again this week. Teddy Bridgewater still out with a concussion. You're not playing Drew Locke in a championship game. I hope not. Uh, Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, both limited in in practice. Um, hopefully you don't have to play either one of them at a championship game after last week's performance. <laughs> Locke pushes the football downfield a lot more than Teddy does. That takes away a lot of the receiving upside from both guys. Lamar Jackson, limited. Uh, John Ross, activated from COVID-19. You don't care. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson activated from the COVID-19 list. That one actually kind of matters because that might put Damian Harris back in a timeshare. It probably will. Although he's been relatively efficient. In that he role dominated. Role. I mean, he was... He dominated as the lead He was back. goddamn good last Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> he fucking killed it. Jarek McKinnon designated to return from IR. You don't care about that. Valdez Scantling uh, set to reserve for... A, set to return from the COVID-19 list. That's... Maybe. No. I don't know what the matchup is. Well, Vikings, Sunday night football in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Sunday night, Green Bay, going to be cold. That actually could be good, but... I that mean, could be something, but there's... I still think Lazard and Adams. Yeah. Maybe MVS catches a big one, but again, if you're trying to play for that in you know, championship week... Oof. That's an emergency hack, and That's, you shouldn't need emergency hacks with the new... Um, we had new COVID uh, rules. new COVID protocols. Uh, ten day quarantine down to five. Yep, and yeah, uh, your self reporting symptoms. Yeah, and so not being tested. So it's, there it's, is no. Oof. You don't have to test out now. If your symptoms get better, you're good in five days. They have uh, uh, team doctors, and then other doctors from other places are are there to help make the calls. So yep, and they also, I think. Are they still doing the one test plus whatever that they put in late last week? I don't know. I am not sure. The COVID protocols almost aren't real in the NFL to get through the rest of the season. Yeah. They're just trying to get the shit over with. Philip Dorsett, IR, nobody cares. Adrian Peterson, IR, nobody cares. Taysom Hill activated. Matt Barkley claimed off waivers from the Panthers. Saints? Uh, Falcons. Falcons. All right, have fun backing up Matt Ryan. Hey, but at least take some hills back. Felipe that Franks' offense is rough. Felipe Franks is on the COVID list. Yeah, Taysom Hill upgrade somehow. <laughs> Dalvin Cook is back, practicing on a limited basis. He'll probably go and be fine. Uh, O'Shaughnessy not practicing. Don't care. Aguilar not practicing. You really don't care. Keep uh, Gabe Davis got. Activated off. Gabe, yeah, Gabe Davis, Cole Beasley, both activated. Justin Fields is limited. Gibson limited. He played last week. You're fine there. Um, Jared Goff, not practicing. Knee injury. DeAndre Swift, shoulder practicing in full. Looks like he'll return against the Seahawks. Um, Jack Doyle, not practicing. Jalen Hurts, Jordan Howard, blah, blah, blah. COVID list. Anyway. Anyway. Um. All right. Last week of extended game previews. 
Yeah, no Thursday night games, no Saturday games. All Sunday. This is all, all Sunday. This is like regular season, early week until I believe week 18 is like last year's week 17, where all the Sunday games are, yeah. I think, afternoon and and early evening. So, anyways, we'll kick it off here. Raiders at the Colts. Colts are six and a half point favorites, 44 and a half. Is the over under Sam Mellinger slated to start this week as Carson Wentz is he may with the new protocols? I, I still don't think he's going to be eligible to be back in time. I think is that am I stand corrected there? Or is that Ron now? Is he still able to come back? Um, let me look. Okay, because that obviously changes a lot. The spread here, I think, remains with that being somewhat neutral. I don't think it matters too much as Jonathan Taylor is set to be you know the reason why the Colts are where they're at now uh betting standpoint wise Colts right in a three game winning streak against the spread four out of their last five uh five out of the last seven um including impressive wins over the Cardinals Patriots he could return on Sunday okay so that's gonna you're gonna see a flip here obviously I think if Elliger does go this does drop the line a bit again I almost prefer that to happen if you're from a better standpoint because you again I don't think it really matters who the quarterback is they're gonna ride Jonathan Taylor I uh, let him get them to the playoffs I'm still taking the Colts and I'll take the over both defenses suck both offenses can struggle to score points but Raiders have kind of found their footing um a little bit uh Still struggle at times, though. 33 points combined the last two weeks. Maybe I'm wrong. 17, 16, 9, 15 over the last uh, four games is the point totals they've scored in those weeks. I'm still taking the over, though, because Colts defense is garbage. Yeah, Colts defense is relatively garbage. Sorry, I was all thrown off here. You got the Raiders? Great. Darren Waller's on IR. Yep. Foster Moreau, target volume. Hunter Renfro, and he's a tight end. Hunter Renfro, Josh Jacobs. Again, garbage. Those are the only three guys in that in that offense that are are worth anything. And Moreau's only because he's a tight end. Renfro's been good. Um, Derek Carr, hot garbage recently. He had a floor game, but he still scored that touchdown. So this past week, who Renfro? Oh, Renfro, yeah, yeah. He had a. It, it was a quiet game. Touchdown definitely helped, though. That's just. He's your he's Touch, your he's, he's your, your de- poor man Cooper Cup right now. Yeah, he's your de facto one there, basically. Like like you said, poor man Cooper Cup. I think I said it last week. Foster yeah. Moreau six nine and four targets, uh, sixty plus yards each of the last two weeks. So you're okay with that. Josh Jacobs running backs a, a dumpster fire. He's at least an RB two. Um, as for the Colts, it's also catching passes at least too. Hey, yeah. As for the Colts, Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor. One more time. Who's that? Obviously, Jonathan Taylor. But <laughs> Michael Pittman in a game we thought Jonathan Taylor was going to be able to take over last week. 12 targets at the tied for second highest on the season. That's um, with Jonathan Taylor on the team. And that's with, yeah. So it's Pittman and Taylor for the Colts. And, you know, even if Wentz plays, I'm not interested in him as a stream this week. Stay away from both defenses. Two that's pretty chalk. Pretty chalk. All right. Very chalk. Great, great teams here. Uh, how about the true game of the week here? Oof. 
Giants at the Bears. Bears. <laughs> Bears. Six point favorites at home. There's beat Seattle. 30, 37 and a half. And a same is the over job with an end of season winning streak against uh, bad teams. Lowest, lowest uh, game total on the week. The only game below 40 total. And I still think this game goes under. Giants. <sighs> There's something to say here. I'm taking the Giants. I think six points even at home. It's too much for a struggling offense like the Bears. Giants to cover plus six in the under. This this could be this could be team fugly, which totally means that uh, this game is going to be the highest scoring game of the week. Though. I don't know. I think that the Giants are the one team in the NFL that can make the Bears look competent. Given well, they're not playing Jacksonville, so the Giants. No, I'm saying the Bears aren't playing Jacksonville. No, I think. I they're think the other team that can make. I think Jacksonville scares me more than the Giants do. That's that dude. That defense, young and uh, young and very aggressive up front. So yeah, no, you're right there. The the Giants the, are the not, Jets. Even the Jets, like I think they're at least on the same level of ineptitude. The, the Giants' offensive <laughs> ineptitude, especially beyond uh, you know without Daniel Jones, is is bad, bad. Um, for the Bears, Mooney's target volume you you feel good about, especially against yeah. this Giants defense. Uh, seven and nine targets each of the last two weeks. He's actually had seven or more targets uh, every game but one over the last six weeks, going back to week 11. So, Mooney, you're fine with David Montgomery not getting into the end zone because the Bears can't score points. However, scrimmage yards are there. He's getting all of the receiving work. He is getting spelled a little bit for Khalil Herbert. Not enough to concern you. He's all floor, but very safe. He did score on Sunday. Yeah, he uh, as long as he's getting the volume that he gets, I don't care how how inefficient he is. Too. Uh Cole Komet seven five nine uh, five is his targets last uh, yeah. four games. Cole Komet's been utilized a ton. Him and Justin Fields have good rapport. Um, we yeah. know Foles will utilize tight ends. So yeah, Bears actually coming into some here at the end of the year, coming into some some relevancy a little bit. Mooney also has upside uh, given. The deep ball ability. That's why we need Justin Fields to play. That is why you need Justin Fields to play. He's limited. Fucking Nick Foles out there again. God damn. I don't want anything to do with the Giants. (laughs) Barkley's a flex. I mean, all of his explosiveness is gone. Uh, You can run on the Bears a little bit, but you got to grind him down. You have to really commit to that. So... Barkley's a floor play. He's a flex play. If you have a better option, benching Saquon Barkley makes perfect sense. I mean, God, if you're in the postseason, if you're in the finals with Saquon Barkley on your team, you know, give yourself a round of applause for losing your, you know, your first or second round pick. I'm sure this fucking sure they're out there. Well, I'm sure they're out there. You also played the waivers probably very well. Mm -hmm. So I have Rex Burkett on your team. Things like that. Yeah. All right. Fuck that game. Let's Fuck go to a game, game that might also be the same. Buccaneers at the Jets. Bucks are 13 point favorites on the road. 45 and a half is the game total here. Um, I I almost want to just I'm going to say fuck the game total or uh, fuck the spread here. I, I mean, it's it's, you know, 13 points is so high. It's almost laughable. It's a good it's a good game to use in a teaser. Uh, parlay where you're able to tease down the 
you know, seven or, you know, tease down to six and a half, potentially, you know, get that within a touchdown on an extra point, make it a little bit more palatable as, you know, so much randomness, you know, can go on in the NFL. You know, these, these double digit point spreads can be a bit annoying, but the 45 and a half just feels so like juicy for taking that over matchup. You know, Jets are obviously this back and forth team, but you know, 26 and 24 points scored the last two weeks against a good defense in Miami. And we just talked about Jacksonville, not on that same level, but it's not like Tampa Bay's defense is is also great. They're not healthy and the offense is elite. And you could see some some of this backdoor cover. I like the over in this game. All right. Tampa Bay, um, Antonio Brown's a de facto one right now. Um, no question about that. I wouldn't really look to anybody else in this game, given how the game script should go. Um, I'd look to Antonio Brown, no other pass catcher. Gronk, maybe. He's a tight end. Um, on the flip side of that, you do have the running game still. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn was hyper-efficient. Ronald Jones still saw the bulk of the work. So, Ronald Jones, plus matchup, plus game script there. Can't wait. As, as someone posted talking about Ronald Jones and how he's been shit on all year, how he's going to fall out. I'm like, I can't wait for Keyshawn Vaughn to outscore him this week. Mm-hmm. And we're both Keyshawn. We both like Keyshawn Vaughn. We both like Keyshawn Vaughn. We do. We do. And if he does, that'll be awesome. Uh, other side of the football. Michael Carter ain't going to get it done for you against the Bucks. That was their best offensive weapon last week. Yeah, it's gonna be a bit gross. No, I stay away from the Jets. Yeah, it's gonna be gross. <laughs> yeah, Elijah is Elijah more eligible to come back? No, you gotta put on IR. He was done for the year. Is he done for the year? Okay. Yeah, he was done for the year. Yeah, Michael Carter and Tevin Coleman splitting work last week. Um, not enough there for anything. Braxton Barrios, sorry, poor man's floor game. You shouldn't be in the play in the championship. Poor man's Hunter Renfro. (laughs) Poor man's Hunter Renfro, which is poor man's Cooper Cup. Except they get small. They get smaller every time. Right. I still think poor man's Cooper Cup. It's just given how elite he's been, just how ungodly good he's been this year. I feel like poor man's Cooper Cup is still like a wide receiver one. Well, Which I think Renfro is. I was gonna say At least he, some points for he might be. <laughs> I think he he might be there. He doesn't get the massive blow up games, but he God, he's just consistent. I'm gonna go look now. All right, you look while we we move on games because uh, you know <laughs> unless you really want to keep talking about no, I don't have anything else to say about the Jets. It's Braxton Barrios and don't touch anything else and only touch and Barrios is like break clay. Break glass in case of emergency. Barrios is the fire extinguisher. Blake gla- break glass in case you need floor. He's the fire extinguisher. If your fantasy team's <laughs> on fire, he'll probably put it out, but he should get volume. Your, fan- your fantasy team's blowing up. Just put, just put a Braxton Barry. He'll cool that shit right down. Cool that shit right off. He'll cool that shit right off. Uh, like- Falcons at the butt. I actually like Braxton Barrios. I know. It's good shit. Falcons at the Bills. Bills are 14 and a half win favorites at home. 44 even. It's a game total. 
look, this is just kind of like the Bucks game when you get, you know, this widespread of a matchup. Um, you know, it's a good time to tease it down in a parlay, you know, get that down to about eight and a half points. Maybe, you know, push it a little bit further if you want to keep trying that. I like the under here. Obviously, Buffalo is going to do what they need to do. Atlanta's offense is sputtering. Uh, 20 points, 13 points, 21, 17, 21, 0, and 3. Um, offense clearly can't find its legs. So, total fantasy points, Hunter Rinfro is the wide receiver 12. Oh, he's there. And total points. Total points, not points per game. Points per game, he's a bit lower because of guys like Evans and... True. And Cooks. Don't worry. We use stats to pad. We use stats to fuel our narrative. Like Robert Woods, who's been out since week nine, is ahead of him in points per game. So, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't know if I put... God, Woods, really? Yeah. God, he had such a slow start. I mean, he did get... He did catch a bit of fire before he got hurt. He did. So, 14.8, by the way, PPR points per game for for Hunter Renfro. Still very respectable. He's he's a mid to high wide receiver, too, if you go by points per game. So that and you want him as your wide receiver too in fantasy. So especially for redraft, he's he's been you yeah. know a fantasy MVP almost in just that light between him and Patterson just being the late round waiver pickups that have helped propel teams through these trying times. It's true. Again, Falcons at the Bills, 14 and a half point favorites. Uh 44 is the game total. Uh if you can tease the bill down and get this to under 10 points, I take it. I still think they beat him by over 14 points. I'm just not going to bet the spread. I'll take the under. I don't trust Atlanta's offense to be able to score against this Bills defense. So you've been able to run on the Bills. Cordero Patterson, look, you uh, you don't leave the girl that brought you to the dance. It kind of did, though, right? I thought Mike Davis was seeing an increase. I mean... I don't think so. I think that Mike Davis has scored some touchdowns. I mean, this past week, split evenly in carries, split evenly in touches. Yeah, but uh, Patterson, just one more opportunity. Is that a trend? Well, Patterson's rushing stats have been in the crap or two the last two weeks. I, it, it's, I just yeah, think it's I, not been good for them in the running game period. Uh... Previous week was eleven and six in favor of Patterson in rushing attempts. Again, targets is where I mean, there's three targets combined for both of them, and Patterson yeah. caught both of his for five yards. I think it's, I think it's probably Patterson or it's probably Davis eating enough away, and then I think maybe the league catching up to Patterson and how the Falcons want to use them. Well, and Detroit playing out of their mind, San Francisco. Buffalo's got a good defense. Patriots ran all over him, but you're yeah. right. Atlanta's not. Okay, don't touch anybody in Atlanta. Besides Kyle Pitts. He might go over a 1,000 yards. With one year. touchdown. That's fine. Attaboy, he's, Jack Doyle. He's floor, baby. Jack Doyle. He's back. No, don't touch anything in Atlanta, then. Um... And the other side of this for Buffalo, uh, it, it's Diggs and Allen and Dawson Knox. And I don't know that Atlanta pushes it enough to make you use anybody else, really. So, pro- Devin Singletary. <sighs> I know. Hey, 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 hey. I puke saying it too. 
I did. You're probably right, but but do you really it's do you really want to hinge your playoff championship or your championship around Devin Singletary and his 71, 95. So here's his three stat. We'll look at Snapchat. I know you hate Snapchat, but we'll look at it. Snapchat. It's pointless. 82.7, 95.1, 71.4. So at least he's taken, at least he's taking the lion's share of snaps away in a high prolific offense. And now in a, and now in a plus matchup. Hey, you can see. 89 total. So he has 89 total yards, 96 total yards, 78 total yards. He's an RB2. On a high-scoring offense, I hate to say it; it pains me, it hurts my soul. But Devin Singletary, right now, on this Bills offense, yeah, give me thirty-nine yards, maybe a touchdown. I could have eighty-nine, ninety-six. You know what? Just go pick up Rex Burkhead and start him. It's the same fucking thing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love Rex Burkhead is forever goat in my head, in my mind, because of this past week. Good God, what do you do? I think a buck fifty in total yards and two tutties, man. Oh, what a goat! Same thing. Here's the RB. Singletary is the RB four since week fourteen, largely touchdown <laughs> driven. It's like it's, we don't want to talk good about it, but it, 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 you know we got to balance it out. Our Hunter Renfro, Braxton Berrios gushing affair with. Ew, that's gross. With, Your top five over the last three weeks: Nick Chubb, Rashad Penny, Justin Jackson, Devin Singletary, Aaron Jones. That's and, and Justin Jackson's about to be relegated back to the bench because Austin Eckler has been, uh, he's been activated off protocol, off COVID protocol. So, Singletary is a start at your own risk. I mean, he's hyper inefficient. The efficiency is not. Yes, the touchdowns but, have been uh, there the last two yeah. weeks. He's got, he's like I said, touchdown driven. He's got two each of the last two weeks. It's a high scoring offense. To your point, yeah, sure. I wouldn't feel good about it, but I felt gross starting Devonta Freeman in the back half of the season too, and it got me into the playoffs. So, at least he has uh, two games of over, you know, five targets. Obviously, matchup probably not going to get a lot of those. Yay! I'll, you got to take what you can get. Zach when you Moss can get will it. be active. Oh God! Could the Bills? Fuck up, you know, back-to-back running back draft picks worse than anybody else. Can they just get a good damn back? Sign one. I don't care. They have one. It's Josh Allen's great. What are you talking about? They need a running game. They they absolutely need a running game. It's gross. All right. Let's find the next game here. Philadelphia at the football team. Philly's three-and-a-half-point favorites on the road here. Uh, 45 even is the game total. Just two weeks ago, we had the uh, the Tuesday night thriller where the Eagles won 27-17 here. I, I still like Philadelphia. They're just the soft schedule. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna make the playoffs. The loss of Miles Sanders does suck because he's been very good since he's been back. But Jordan Howard, I think Jordan Howard is so is still gonna play. They're gonna get, you know, they're gonna get their touches from from Boston Scott and from Gainwell. Hertz has been playing better than he than he usually has been. Um, I like Philly to cover the three and a half, and I like the over in this game. A uh, close game. I trust both offenses to score enough points to push that over. 
Yeah, this is a game where after kind of a slow start and a little garbage time help from Terry McLaurin, I think you can get back to, to trusting him a little bit against this Philly secondary. Uh, but he really did nothing until Kyle Allen came in. Yeah, he's going to get slayed too. I don't know if playing McLaurin's it's tough. It's, I, don't I mean, know. he gets when he gets he gets Slay, and Slay's been absolutely brutal against wide receivers. Right, and Heineke is not funneling him targets, so they're they're going elsewhere. I don't know that you can trust a a receiving option in Washington. The only thing I want to trust with Washington is Antonio Gibson. And even then, he's banged up. He's, he's going to play, up, right but he was up. still productive. So McLaurin last time against Slay. Uh, four targets, two catches. Yeah, 50, fifty-one yards, and, and that's the risk. You need him to catch something deep. So if you got better options, you might, you might go with them. For example, I think I'd rather have Renfro than McLaurin just because it's oh easily yeah. this week. Um, on the Eagles side of things, Devonta Smith, like you mentioned, uh, you aren't gonna have Miles Sanders this week. Jordan Howard has been great in the absence of Miles Sanders. Um, you'll see some of the other guys mix in, but Jordan Howard's really what you want to target there. And then, obviously, Dallas Goddard. Uh, the football team, though, I would steer clear of that one. Yeah. As you mentioned, Gibson, Gibson. I think it's the only thing. Uh, I want to get to what looks to be the game of the week, at least for fantasy. This shit's gonna. This shit looks pretty. Chiefs at the Bengals. The Chiefs, five and a half point favorites. 50, 50 and a half is the game total. 50. Slam that fucking over. Just on the table. Spread point. I like Cincinnati to cover at home. I really do. This offense is clicking. Yes, Burrow just beats the shit out of the Ravens. That, that's what he does. That That is his, that is his team. His own zone. I like him against I like him against the Chiefs. Chiefs do have an improved defense or playing better than they've played all year. But you get the Cincinnati offense healthy and confident. And a must and, and, and again it's still what is a must win because the AFC North Division is still very much up in grabs. I think Bengals I think the Bengals can win this game at home and easily push this game over. So this is going to be a little bit of a measuring stick for Burrow, and I'm looking at his game log, and I see some things that are concerning given how good the the Chiefs' yeah. de- defense has been. I mean, from a yardage standpoint, uh, both games against Pittsburgh, not necessarily great. He did have three touchdowns in the first matchup, under 200 yards both times. Um, then he beat up on, on Jacksonville, uh, was, yeah, mediocre against Green Bay. Um, then beat up on Detroit, beat up on Baltimore, beat up on the Jets, uh, Cleveland secondary, two interceptions. Uh, again, Cleveland, good pass rush, two interceptions, uh, no touchdowns in that game. Uh, Vegas, okay. Pass rush me, a very mediocre game. Pittsburgh, mediocre, um, chargers played well there, two interceptions, 300 yards. So again, kind of mediocre. You're happy with the yardage total. Two picks to one touchdown, though. Again, good pass rush. Um, San Francisco, decent game. Um, rough game against Denver and a very solid secondary. And then 
Good game against Baltimore. So the Chiefs, Joe Burrow is not yet, and the Bengals are not yet what I would consider to be matchup proof, given that. I think there's a very specific type of defense that he's shown that he struggles with this season, and that's how Kansas City has been getting it done. Now, if they can protect Joe Burrow and keep some of that pressure off of him, those wide receivers can absolutely eat against that Chiefs secondary. But they got to be able to do it. So I have a little bit more pause over what the Bengals might be able to do. That being said, it's championship week. You start your studs. You don't leave the girl that brought you to the dance. So you are running out Joe Mixon, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and Joe Burrow. I like uh, I like the fact that it's the offense too that they're playing against, right? In fantasy, yeah. we we obviously want to play the right matchup. So we, we have two. I'm not gonna say Burrow is elite, but from an offensive output, given what they have, this could be an elite matchup in terms of point you know, point, point scored. Right. The Chiefs have found their scoring offense. 36, yes. 34, 48, and then that 22, 19, 41. Their offense is clicking again to match their defense. Bengals, again, probably won't win this game. I think they could. They probably won't. It's it's the type of, of even if Burrow has a bad efficiency game, I think he could get it done just on pure statistical volume. I think the biggest thing for fantasy that I'm really saying is that if you've got somebody that has a better matchup than Burrow, do it. I'm still fine with the skill position players, but yeah, Burrow, given how he's kind of performed against tough pass rushes, you know, it has not been pretty. This is going to be a measuring stick for the Bengals. This is going to tell me a lot it will be. about Absolutely how they're going to fare in the playoffs should they make it that far. And it's yeah. looking like they probably will. So it's going to tell me a lot about the, how that's going to go. And, you know, he's got to show that he can, he can get it done in that regard. What I'm saying is that could, you know, that could give you some problems with some of those skill guys. Now, Again, because of the explosiveness, because of the firepower, because of the points total, because the Bengals very easily could end up in throw mode, everybody else you're okay with. Mixon is game script proof. You know, you're okay with everybody else. Burrow's the only one I have a little bit of pause there on. As for the Kansas City Chiefs, they're chalk. They're always chalk. Brian Pringle, the almost slayer of Sean. Byron Pringle. <laughs> the almost the almost slayer. Special uh, Kelsey is going to be back, though. Yeah, so. I don't think Pringle's getting seven targets with Kelsey back. He was seven for 75 and two. Solid game for him. Somebody's needed to step up as a secondary receiver there for a while. He did. but with I mean, Ke- it just only helps the offense to get this third option to kind of... He's not going to, you know, take any, you know, coverage away from Kelsey or Hill, but it keeps the you know he helps to keep the drive moving, you know better chance for scoring touchdowns you know for our favorite players. So I also like, I'm not saying to run out and play him by any means. I'm just saying it helps. Mm-hmm. And Edward Zelaire, keep an eye on his his health. If he can't go, uh, we saw Daryl Williams put up 85 total yards in his absence, and uh, Derek Gore again. What is the uh, he got hurt? I'm trying to think. Uh, He's week to week with what I'm assuming a Bruce die, Bruce Bruce shoulder. Clyde, 
Clyde, yeah. yeah. Because he came out, obviously didn't play the rest of the game when he got hurt this past week. Yep. In a game, they were easily dominating, so there's no need for him. So, again, just like you said, something to bear in mind. Uh, tune in Sunday morning. We'll give you yeah, the Hanover update, update, where I'll today. actually be available this year. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to be as blitz out blackout drunk well, this Well, it's time. also the second, not the first. So That's true, too. <laughs> you, also good you point. You got a day to recover. I got a full day to recover. I mean, I, I mean, we're getting old, so it's true. It, it takes it longer than days sometimes. For it'll me. happen. <laughs> All right. Next game: Jacksonville at the Patriots. Patriots fifteen and a half point favorites. Forty-one and a half is the game total. We get to see Trevor Lawrence versus Bill Belichick. Get to see Trevor Lawrence versus Mac Jones. We know the history with, with Belichick and rookie QBs. As long as you're not Davis Mills, he kind of has your number. Still, 15 and a half points is a lot. It's a lot of points in a game that could easily be drawn out, slow scoring, especially if, if the Patriots get up by a couple of scores right away. I like the under in this game. I'm staying away from the spread again. It, it's just this is too big. It's too large of a spread for an offense that I I just don't see Jacksonville putting up enough points to force the Patriots to have to enter any hurry up type of mode. So I'll take the under at forty one and a half, and again like the other games that are double digits. If you get if you're getting kind of frisky and you want to you know tease some games, you can tease this one down. From a fantasy perspective, this is damn ugly. Eric <laughs> Ukumulawe. Just kidding. Don't play him. No. 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 Don't play anything from Jacksonville. Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely none of it. Patriots. <laughs> it's a plus matchup for the running backs. Stevenson and Harris will probably split. I like Harris a touch more. Yeah. I mean, both could easily be RB2 flex options. That's kind of what I'm thinking they will be, is RB2 flex options for both of them. So, especially in that matchup, that's gross. Get me out of here. All right. Dolphins at the Titans. Actually, another good game this week. Titans are three and a half point. What's that? So, that one should be good. Yeah. Titans, three and a half point favorites at home. 40 and a half is the game total here. Well, that's that just seems really so low. It seems so low. Are we missing something? Uh, Dolphins still riding the seven game winning streak. First team and was it first team in NFL history to lose seven straight and win seven straight in a in the same season? Yep. Um, you know, Titans kind of getting healthier in the right time of year. Obviously, don't have their you know Derrick Henry and the O line still a little bit meh, but. Dolphins. I like the Dolphins to retain this, ride this out. I think they win their eight straight, really push for that playoff push. I like the over in this game more than anything else. So I can't believe it's 40 and a half. That feels. Are we missing? It's like AJ Brown not playing again. This feels criminally low. Uh, One note about that winning streak, by the way Houston, Baltimore, the Jets, Carolina, and Giants. I know. (laughs) So. I know. I get it. But at least they played Baltimore when they still had Lamar Jackson. Well, thought they did. And they only hit, and they held Buffalo to twenty six. And they're 
the game right before their winning streak started. Yeah. All right, Jalen Waddle goes without saying. He's a he's a must start every week. Uh, yep. The running game has gotten very murky as of late. Miles Gaskin looked like he was taking it over. Then they signed Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson has a blow-up game. And then you have Duke Johnson and Philip Lindsay splitting carries. The problem is these guys are all the same back, too, essentially. So, yep. What you have here is a Buffalo. They're all mediocre, but at least they're different styles of back. These guys are just all the same back. So, yeah, don't touch that. Don't. Just don't. Uh, Gesicki is a tight end, has been okay, although the bottom's kind of fallen off. Waddle's the only guy you really want there. Gesicki's um, just so inconsistent. He's is very inconsistent. Like, like the target volume can be there from week to week, but it's just, it, it, it's he's not he's not making any production from it. Right. Uh, meanwhile, the Dolphins have not given up a lot to running backs here lately. They've really found their run defense. Uh, from a PPR perspective, they have only allowed double-digit points once since week nine to an individual back. Um, that was to Saquon Barkley. Other than that, Kamara, Coleman, um, Amir Abdullah, Michael Carter, Freeman, Duke Johnson. They've actually been pretty good most of the season against the running yeah. back, but especially over the seven-game winning streak. Um, look, that doesn't bode well if you're Donta Foreman or Dontrell Hilliard. There are guys that I like, Devin Singletary, that I like more than Foreman this week. Yeah, I mean, that offense turned into an even worse three-headed backfield in Miami. We have to battle the three-headed backfields here. And then no one, literally no one asks for it. Oh, yeah. Just like, no one, no, no one wants this. Like Make it a three-way dance. Uh, AJ Brown <laughs> got all of the target volume last week. It feels like Julio Jones is just done. Yeah, Julio. I, I mean, he's he's nice to have out there. Julio and AJ still, Green need to retire together, though, just because I've had them linked their whole career. But just just hand in hand, just walk off into the sunset together. Yeah, you but guys Julio, have earned it. You're right. Julio's pretty much done. So again, this is another very limited fantasy matchup. Um. You know, I'm not really interested in a ton here. It's Waddle and it's AJ Brown. It's a top two, top two backs. I think Tannehill. If you're looking for a streaming quarterback, even then, I mean, that's, even then, it's, I mean, it's pretty ugly. Talk okay. about good pass rush against Tannehill, too. Right, it is like pretty. Burrow, ugly. he really folds. Yeah. God, so. that game has so it looks so good. When you just look at the game until you actually look at it from a fantasy lens, it's like, all right, there's two fucking guys to play here. Two. It's, yep, that's probably yep, why that's, the game total is lower. <sighs> still like the over. All right, I do last game like before over, that felt really low. Yeah, yeah, that felt too low. Last game before the uh, beer review, Rams at the Ravens. Rams three and a half point favorites. Forty six and a half is the game total. Lamar Jackson's back practicing. Uh, we'll see about Tyler Huntley. I doubt we'll see Josh Johnson this week. Either way, the Rams have just been dominant this last uh, four games during their four-game winning streak. Uh, Ravens, while they they tend to they tend to play better against these stronger opponents, or in games where you think they have no chance, and I still don't think they have a chance in this game. 
Rams elite pass rush, Ravens offensive line, just Ravens in general just played with injuries. This secondary got completely fucking annihilated by by Boyd Chase and uh and Higgins. I can only imagine what what Cooper Cup's gonna do to them. Like it feels like it might be against the law. Just how bad it's gonna be. In most states. Rams in most states is probably illegal. Guys like even like, you know, Van Jefferson, if Odell is is healthy, um Rams easily three and a half to cover. And I do like the over because the the Ravens offense hasn't been struggling. It, it's just the team as a whole has been bad, the defense especially. So easily I'll take the over at 46 and a half, and I like the Rams to cover. Yeah. Hard part with Van Jefferson and Odell Beckham both in this one is just the efficiency hasn't necessarily been there for those two. Um, you know, touchdown upside is there. Uh, Jefferson, they're both going to get field stretching type targets. But consistency yeah. hasn't necessarily been there for either guy. Like you said, the Cooper Cup's an absolute blow up this week. Uh, now, for as bad as the Ravens' pass defense is, the run defense is good. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you, I still like Michelle though. I do still like Sony Michelle. I was gonna say returning Cam Makers, Henderson's on IR. So swap those two out. I don't expect them to force Akers into a full workload. Sony Michelle's like another guy that I kind of like as a running back, too. It's really hard to find running backs this week that I like with any form of upside. Um, maybe Ronald Jones, maybe um, the Patriots backs. But other than that, uh, and Jonathan Taylor, obviously, there's not a ton of running backs I like this week with upside. So Michelle fits in just to be as about as good as anybody, although it is a tougher matchup. I do expect him to get the volume for that. On the flip side of this, you are right. Baltimore, particularly the offense, does tend to play tougher teams tougher. Um, I do kind of like how the Rams match up against Lamar, but at the same time, you know, uh, with Lamar back, Hollywood Brown should get his normal double-digit target volume. And they're going to need it. And then they're going to lean heavy on Jacks or on Andrews, on Andrews too, yep. for sure. Yep. So those two guys I'm totally fine with. And you've, like I've mentioned before, you've been able to run against the Rams most of the year. Um, that really has not gotten any better. So, you know, Freeman in a pinch, even though him and Murray are. Yeah, I, uh, that's, that's, and he, it keeps getting worse. I feel like my question really is going to be is who's Ramsey going to cover more? Is Ramsey going to take Brown more? You know, Bateman hasn't, you know, struggled with the consistency of producing, but obviously bigger bodied receiver, more of your your true number one runs those those true number one routes. Um Thank I wonder you. if Ramsey's gonna take on Brown and try to take away that those big plays. I think he's probably gonna take Bateman because Brown you almost have to put a safety on it. You almost have to have a safety over the top yeah. for him anyway. So if you have to dedicate two players to potentially stopping Hollywood Brown. Yeah. And they may be happy, you know, just giving up Dink and Dunks to Bateman, you know, to Talon Wallace if he gets a little extra run. You know, Mark Andrews is still going to be Or making him work Brown at the line, you know? Yeah, or we'll see what Brown was a couple weeks ago, and you know, with Huntley, he's just an underneath guy the whole time. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of, I mean, look, we, we talked about it with Jackson a bit too, though, right, where, you know, he is getting double-digit targets and not a ton of yardage because 
they're giving it to him in space and saying, okay, go make a play instead of feeding him downfield. So see him. All right. Beer review. Beer review. Let's do it. I have bourbon though. Beer. I mean, I also kind of have bourbon. Yeah, beer aged in bourbon. Not beer aged in Okay. All right. Again, we have Steigen Symbiosis. This is the Hand of Fate. The Hand of Fate and Benny's collaboration. Hand of Fate again, brewery out of Petersburg. Um, Benny's is the primary, uh, you know, liquor, I guess, depot in the state of Illinois. This is their barrel aged stuff. Again, this is them, Benny's by them giving a Hand of Fate. Uh, Larceny foolproof barrels. This is extremely sweet. I don't think there's anything else added. I think this is strictly um, one of their Imperial Stout base and with nothing added to it. So you're grabbing a lot of dark fruit in this plum raisin um, just to add into the already rich um, and just sweet flavor from the malt being used. It's picking apart the you know the vanilla from the barrel as well. Um, this is mouthfeel wise. This is like it, it, an extremely sweet chocolate. Um, you know the the entire taste tastes the same. It lingers afterwards. It doesn't drink boozy. You can't taste any of the booze in this. Um, which is insane from a foolproof barrel. And, and and I think they age it for eighteen months. Great pickup. Most of you guys out there aren't going to be able to find it, unfortunately, because it's very local to where Hopper and I are at, but this is, uh, it's good. Good. Especially if you like your, your BA stouts are more on the heavier, sweeter end of the spectrum. All right. And as a reminder, I'm drinking George Remus bourbon. Uh, this is a single barrel select is, you know, a lot of these should have hit around September. Most stores probably still have them. They don't exactly fly off shelves. This is generally four to five year MGP juice, MGP um, distiller out of Indiana that sources for a lot of labels. If you look on the back of your bottle, see distilled in Indiana, you have MGP juice. This is their own label. Um, this one checks in at 111.7 proof, so all of these single barrels are barrel proof. Uh, on the nose... A lot of classic bourbon notes. Um, definitely some oakiness, caramel, vanilla. Um, maybe a little bit of, also a little bit of a nutmeg under that. But definitely like vanilla saltwater taffy. I get a ton of that as I sniff this. All right, common among both Remus store picks. The proof that I have, the proof definitely comes out to say hello. It is not one of those that hides its proof. Now, it's not ethanol-y. It's not fusel or anything like that, but it is very warm. It'll definitely tingle your tongue. Um, between that, very tannic. Uh, it does have a very dry finish. It's long, but it is very dry. Um, you know, you start off with this, getting a lot of those vanillins that roll through your tongue. There is definitely some dark fruit here. Take another slip. Yeah, definitely some dark fruit. Uh, it's met by 
you know, like uh, peppery notes, like white pepper, essentially. Um, there's caramel undertones to it. Like I said, tannic oak, um, very drying finish. Definitely some of those baking spices at the end. Again, a lot of nutmeg um, comes out of this one to me. Overall, it's pretty well balanced, um, but very bold also. Uh, these are very good store picks. They typically run in the 40 to $60 price range, depending on your store location, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they do tend to sit around a little bit, uh, but they're very solid. I've not been disappointed with one, especially if you like barrel-proof bourbons. So wanted to get something on here that, you know, allocated season, a lot of FOMO going around, a lot of people getting things through raffles or loyalty programs, things like that. You know, if you're looking to treat yourself with something at the end of the year, not a bad option and relatively available. Like it. All right. Ready for home stretch here? This is it. This is this home is stretch, last man. Stretch of games until September of next year. Broncos at the Chargers. Chargers are six point favorites at home. 46 even is the game total. You have two teams that are kind of going in the wrong direction, two teams that we can never really trust, especially on the. You feel like you get a little bit more consistency, especially from the charters on the offensive side of the ball, but um, just letting teams in, embarrassing loss against Houston. They just they like to keep the game somewhat close, and then they just kind of are met against some of the bad teams here. Uh, I'm still taking the Chargers at home if I'm betting this game. I'm probably not too excited about it. I don't trust either team. I'll take the over, though, at 46. I'll bet on Locke being able to, you know, the channel some inner down, some inner down the fieldness yeah. against this team, and maybe the running game against what looks to be one of the league's worst in, in the Chargers, who just gave up 150 uh, total yards and two tutties to Rex, the goat Burkhead. Yeah, the one thing that concerns me a little bit about the Broncos' running game is one, they're going to come in. I guess knowing that they're going to run the football, but two, the other thing that concerns me a little bit about that running game is the fact that, I mean, those guys just weren't really targeted last week. Um, There were three targets total that went to the backs, I believe. So, you know, that's just, that's not Drew Locke's game. That's not what he does. Now, uh, the Raiders did dominate time of possession in that game. Uh, Josh Jacobs had himself a solid game talking about last week. Um, so you didn't see a lot out of Drew Locke, but what Drew Locke does do that Teddy Bridgewater doesn't is he works the ball down the field. So you did see five targets to Sutton. That's something you haven't seen in a while. Four to Tim Patrick, four to Noah Fant. So he is working the ball down the field. He does want to push the ball a little bit more than what Teddy Bridgewater does. That's good news for those guys. Now, Chargers also going to play a little more up-tempo than what the Raiders do. So um, that's also good news because hopefully they just score quicker and Denver gets the ball back in this game. um, If I'm looking for deep cuts, I'm looking Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick. Now I do feel a little bit better about Williams and Gordon in this game. I'm still a little scared though of last week, especially with the receiving floor, not there given the fact that these guys are splitting touches and that this could go negative game script. If the chargers play like the chargers can play, but like I said, it's a messy amount of running backs here as well right now. So unless you have Jonathan Taylor, 
there's nothing that really feels good from a running back perspective. Maybe Ronald Jones this week, but you know, you got just as good of a shot with particularly Javonta Williams. He's gotten more more uh, target volume than Melvin Gordon over the last couple of weeks. Um, but I, you don't love it. On the flip side of this, the Broncos did just give up 129 rush yards to Josh Jacobs. Uh, Austin Eckler will be back for the Chargers. You're good there. You're running the Chargers chalk incompetently this week. Mike Williams, I think, has a good chance of being activated off protocol with this new uh, with the new pro- off COVID. Is Mike with Williams this new protocol place? I guess he has been a bit this year. He did struggle a little bit throughout the middle of it. Got it back some. Uh, Kansas City kind of locked him down, but he was good against the Giants, good against Cincinnati. Good secondary there in Denver. Uh, And last time out, just 39 receiving yards for Mike Williams on eight. I wouldn't call him chalk, but you can definitely, I mean. Oh, one other thing on Justin Herbert, by the way, was a complete mixed bag for him, too, in this matchup earlier in the year. 300-plus yards, that's the good. Two tutters, two two picks, so. A little more turnover friendly for him this year, too. Yeah. Good. Like the yardage, like the touchdowns. So, all right. Texans at the 49ers. Gross. 49ers, 12 and a half point favorites at home. 44 and a half is the game total. Davis Mills, hats off to him playing very well. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, off the biggest one of his career, short career. San Francisco is still battling for that playoff spot at home. I I, I just I, I don't see Houston losing by more than ten points here, even on the road. I don't see him losing by by ten points here. I think they cover this one half. Do I think they win? No. Do I think they cover though? Absolutely. And I like the over. Give me that forty four and a half. A bit low like this. Trey Lance getting his first start with Garoppolo out this week. Rookie versus rookie. Brandon Cooks. Maybe some fireworks today. Yeah. Brandon Cooks has been very good since Davis Mills took back over. Obviously, didn't play last week. Uh, Two games before that, 101 and 102 yards, double-digit targets, uh, two touchdowns. So, Brandon Cooks has been very, very good. Uh, You know, we saw Rex Burkhead last week. Um, It's floor, right? I joked saying that Burkhead and Zingletary were almost the same damn player. Really not that far off. <laughs> so take that for what you will. Brandon Cooks is really the only Texan I'm going to be comfortable with, though. Yeah. Uh, in a big way. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. On the other side of this one, who are they playing? I forgot. <laughs> We're professionals. 49ers. Here. I don't have both Absolutely in front of me. professional. That's right. I didn't have it in front of me. Sorry. No, you're good. Um, is Elijah Mitchell on IR? I'm not. I've seen no update. I'm just going to assume he's not playing. I haven't seen any update on Mitchell either. I'm going to check on that real quick. Either way, you want to start the running back again. That's a game script thing. It's a positive matchup thing. Um, Mitchell, even if he's not on IR, is likely to be a game time decision. If I had to guess. Yeah. I keep going to the wrong browser. <laughs> I have to have two pulled up because some shit doesn't run right with YouTube. Struggling. 
I am struggling. So Elijah Mitchell is limited right now. So Mitchell will be a game time decision. Whatever back, I'm comfortable with them, either Mitchell or Wilson. Uh, Debo Samuel, we know, is going to get his. Uh, whether it's the running game or the receiving game, we know Debo Samuel is going to get his. The other thing I like in this one, uh, you know, Houston's been able to push the pace a little bit more in recent weeks. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Ayuk was getting a ton of target volume. It's kind of fallen off a little bit more, but. With them using Debo out of the backfield, especially in the if uh, Elijah Mitchell doesn't go, uh, Ayuk has a little bit more upside than he normally would. Although he's not a must start. Yeah, I I agree with that. You're right. Cardinals at the Cowboys. Cardinals, or excuse me, Cowboys five and a half point favorites against these Cardinals at home. Fifty one and a half. Is the game total, which looks to be the highest game total on the slate. Look, the Cardinals are going in the wrong direction. We've all seen that. Dallas has been playing. The offense finally looked uh, competent this past week against Washington. Dak is, was kind of riding on his own little slump here. Is finally broke through as Dallas again tries to jump in on that on that number one seed in the NFC chance here is they already locked in the NFC they've already locked in their playoff spot and locked up the NFC East division here I like Dallas to win this game we know that the Cardinals have been playing better on the road we can just look at the record for that Dallas is just playing more complete football the offense is starting to get it going again as Cooper gets healthier <laughs> Dalton Schultz is it's I think that tied in three and like this three or four span here is he's getting more and more involved we get to see the ultimate uh, conclusion to Zach Ertz versus Dalton Schultz in this game. Can't, can't, <laughs> I just can't wait for it. Thank God that we have it here. So uh, I like the Cowboys to cover, and I like this game to go over. A personal interest because of one week. Uh, tight end four on the season, by the way, for Dalton Schultz. Yeah, Schultz is uh, he's he's uh, taking full advantage of no Blake Jarwin and a. Uh, Somewhat depleted wide receiver room to start he the year. Tied with Dawson Knox in points per game. God, God, I love it. By Two the guys way, we like this year. Oh, love it. <laughs> By the way, uh, Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. Tight end seven, tight end eight on the season. Thank God. Wait, uh, that's God, Jesus. That's, that's <laughs> that bad just screams how bad tight ends have been. Zach Ertz gets traded midseason. And it's a tight end 12, or or the top 12 tight end. Yeah, your top six basically are are the guys you've been able to rely on most of the season outside of injury. With And really, Schultz or uh, Pitts had a slow start, and Dawson Knox is pretty touchdown dependent too. So It's like playing on a high-efficient offense that scores a lot of points is good for your tight end and Knox. And then with Pitts playing on an offense with literally no other outside weapons, you know, benefits pits. Yep. Yep. Anyway, start them all. Literally. Everybody. That includes Chase Edmonds. James Conner. Uh, Conner, he's practicing, but he's limited, I believe. Right? I don't think Otherwise. he practiced. I would totally need. I'm playing against James Conner with Chase Edmonds 
this week heel in a championship matchup. So wins. heel injury for Connor. I don't believe he was practicing. Here, I'll check for you. Thanks. Since we don't go through this shit at the beginning of the show anymore. James Connor. <laughs> nope. Did not practice Wednesday. All right. Well, I mean, hopefully it gets better, but hopefully he doesn't play this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Connor not practicing leads you to Chase Edmonds. Hopkins on IR leads you to Christian Kirk against the Cowboys. We give up a ton of yardage. AJ Green as well uh, in what should be a high-scoring affair. Flip side of that, yeah, Zeke, CD. Saw Cooper get off the schneid a little bit last week. He said he's been, yeah, healthy. And it's been Schultz, not Michael Gallup. He's gotten more of the target volume the last couple weeks. Yeah. Maybe match up for that. Who knows? Although, is Dalton Schultz healthy? He wasn't concussed after that hit, I don't think. I think that they just said, nope, we're done screwing around with this. We're up 40 at the half. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a... I've, heard, I've seen I've seen nothing on the sort, so... Here, let me check that real quick. Sure, we can vet that. Just keep this pulled up when we have questions. Uh, yeah. Cardinals defense, though, pretty good at covering tight ends, apparently. But nine targets, 82 yards, and a touchdown last week against Washington. Don't know that it'll repeat that. Even if he gives you floor, he's better than most options out there. Yeah, again, tight end. <laughs> All right. Panthers at the Saints. Just two games left in the afternoon hour here. Saints, seven-point favorites with Taysom Hill back. 38 and a half. Is the over/under? I lied when I, th- I thought the Bears game was the lowest. I believe these guys are tied, or, or within a point. Bears are Bears were thirty-seven and a half. Bears Giants is thirty-eight and a half. Panthers have been fucking terrible. At least with Taysom Hill, I think the Saints could score enough points to win this game. I don't know if they'll cover, as again they are still fighting for a playoff spot. Give me the Saints to cover if I'm taking that bet, if you want to take that bet, and I'll take the over in this game. Backdoor cover here. Maybe the Panthers keep it a bit close. I would just avoid this game altogether, though, when it comes to betting. Just punt it to the moon. Move on. I would punt this game to the moon in general. Yeah. I don't if think I could. anything's good here. I mean, uh, Camara is the closest thing to good. Thank God, Taysom Hill. I can't believe we can. I can't believe there's a there's a quarterback that made me say, "Thank God, Taysom Hill is back." And his name is Ian Book. And his name. Maybe is they Ian should just Book. start Bortles after he gets a couple weeks. You know, why not? <laughs> You'd be the only one happy about that. Um, I mean, can't, can't be any worse, right? It could not be any worse. Oof. Uh, Alvin Kamara, by the way. Pedestrian two weeks. Yeah, it's been, but uh, against Tampa and Miami, Carolina is not those two defenses. You should be fine. Yeah. DJ Moore, maybe. Um. See, DJ Moore against the Saints is pretty iffy to me, though, because yeah. the Saints defense is is very good. The quarterbacks have been super inconsistent. While DJ Moore is getting double digit targets, which is hard to ignore. Um. No touchdowns in that time frame while he's getting double-digit target targets. So, I mean, TPR, I guess. I mean, he's been good for 14, 15 PPR points a week. So that's I mean, that's 
is Hunter, Hunter Renfro. Is Hunter Renfro. <laughs> he's side Renfro. He's Cooper. He's poor man's Cooper Cup. He's a poor man. He's a poor man's Cooper Cup with no touchdown upside. He's Cooper Renfro. He's like pre- he's Hunter Cup. His previous iterations of Hunter Renfro, where he had no touchdown upside. No, he's getting. I mean, the target volume is a step up from what Renfro is too. So true. All right. <laughs> Lions at the Seahawks. Seahawks, seven point favorites at home. 42 and a half is the game total. Again, I game I don't fucking care to really bet. We'll take the Lions. They tend to just play teams tough. Seahawks aren't very good, so it may not even fucking matter. Huh. Punt this shit to the moon. Rashad Penny's probably the only thing. Swift being back is good, but. You know, I got to say something about DJ Moore here real quick. Because sure. I don't care about Seattle. No, I wouldn't either. So I'm I'm looking at this page right now, right? Sure. So outside perception. Would you yep. consider the season to be better or worse than the last two years for DJ Moore? Oh, man. <laughs> it's, it's like... It's literally it's it's the same thing. He got more work downfield last year with Teddy Bridgewater, no less. Eighteen point one yards per reception. That was mainly when Robbie Anderson. Okay, was you're playing, you're now. looking at it now because you didn't know eighteen point one yards per reception off the top of your head. Oh God, no. Okay, I I needed some context. He's like, well, he's playing in a mirror. Supposed to go world. off. Of, you're supposed to go off a of perception. You weren't supposed to have context when you answered that. Oh, I, I, I would have probably assumed the same, anyways. Oh my god! It's, it's always been gross. Hundred forty-four. Like tar- his target volumes up. Receptions are up. You know, fifteen I mean, games each of those seasons. Yardage is roughly the same, about a hundred plus or minus hundred fifty yards. Touchdowns are the same. I mean, it's almost like this is his role. Yeah. And you're gone. Yeah, I know. The morning. I should be back. You're back. I'm back. No, it's almost like this is his role until they get a real quarterback, which he hasn't had. Almost like they could have came close to one. Yeah. Maybe. Mac Jones was available. Yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick will be there next year. (laughs) Garden Minshew coming back. By coming back, I mean he's going there. I'd take it. Not coming back. That'd be great. I'd love it. Maybe. I don't know. Matt Coral. This is <laughs> this is almost like Julio Jones. <laughs> Julio Jones had a what could be a Hall of Fame quarterback for his entire career. Yeah, but I'm talking the touchdown numbers. I actually got I know, I know. Sorry, Julio Dynasty. Allerg- Dynasty investigation. Julio allerg- allergic to the end zone. Julio allergic to the end zone. Uh, Julio's Not... yardage has been a lot better because he's starting. Oh, of course field. he is. He's fucking but... Julio Jones. He's a specimen of a man. Yeah, I was kind of j- half joking about the Julio Jones thing, but then I, I had know, to go I look know. at it. Anyway, God, yeah. what are we doing? Shouldn't we be talking about Seattle right now? We have Lions. We have Lions Seahawks. This I... is where we talk about okay, no, DeAndre Swift care. back and Rashad Penny. Yeah, DeAndre Swift coming back actually has upside. If he came back last week, I had to question the role. The fact that he's practicing in full already tells me that, you know, you said they should be careful. That tells me that 
if they're in a playoff race, he probably could have played last week or even the week before. But the fact that he's practicing in full now tells me that he is fully, fully healthy and should probably see his normal workload. He'll go in. They're going to let him take some hits, see where he's at. They're going to be close in this game because Seattle fucking sucks, too. That's why I'm surprised it's seven points, which means, again, they'll probably blow him out now. But either way, it's Swift. It's going to kill Craig Reynolds. And we'll get to see if Amon Ross St. Brown can maintain his target in his production with Swift back. I think he can. I think that that's going to give a different dynamic to that offense. I don't think... I think Hawk going down helped St. Brown more than Swift did. One would think, right? Yeah. Obviously, St. Brown and Hawk would operate in similar areas of the field. Right. I think I think that St. Brown's breakout is more Hawk dependent than uh than Swift dependent. Honestly, very, so, very much true. You know, and they should have Goff back. I'm a, I I I would assume Goff would be back as well too. He's now. limited right now, so okay, he should be, should be. Um, and I'm starting two of those, two of the three of those guys, not Jared Goff, but I'm okay with the Monroe St. Brown. I think the breakout is real. The role that he's being used in is a role that he can su- succeed and sustain in. Um, we'll talk about the dynasty implications later because that's a hot topic on Twitter. But for right now, for this week, what you need to know is I'm on St. Brown. I'm on Swift because, again, your floor is with every other freaking running back this week. And yeah. your ceiling is actually up there around Ronald Jones, given this matchup and everything. I mean, target volume, again, it, it's... Yeah. it's- Swift is the pass catcher. Jamal Williams did play, so you're going to see kind of the return to what the backfield looked like to start the year. But you were fine with Swift at the point. Goff, hopefully. You're you're always going to be fine. At least, at least this game, you know, from a neutral, you know, from a game script should be neutral throughout. And you're going to get Swift. He's going to get his volume yeah. with Amon Rock, you know, working over the middle, and they may take some shots deep, but probably not. And you finally have another back with upside here, too. His name is Rashad Penny in this matchup. Although Detroit does play tough defense, um, Penny has been relatively good. Uh, Tyler Lockett has been getting some target volume. Again, this is not a tough defense. Um, Seattle's receiving game is tough, though. They're a little, little bit scary. I think Russ is just pretty much checked out. I, mean, he, I think we all know that he's... I also wonder how healthy the finger is, but... That too. Um, and DK Metcalf has still been just absolutely on the snide. So the passing game's been pretty mediocre. Metcalf did have a touchdown last week, but you know neither guy has necessarily been definition of reliable. It is a plus matchup. I like Lockett more than Metcalf throughout this yeah. offensive slump. He seems to have maintained his value a little bit better than what than what Metcalf has. Who. It's been a bit disappointing by what I think a lot of people thought he was going to be, especially after last year's performance. So, um, it's just mirroring what you know what Seattle has been this whole year too. He, yeah. He's been the embodiment of the offense. So, it's Penny and Lockett for me. Yeah, I agree. Even Wilson is just why. Like if you if you made it to the championships with these guys in your roster, you probably weren't playing them anyways. We probably weren't relying on them to be what they need to be. So, yep. Vikings at the Packers, Sunday night football. Packers, six and a half point favorites, which also feels a bit low. 
47 and a half, which easily feels right. What would many consider to be the game of the week from an NFL point? This could be a lot of fun, depending on the weather in Green Bay. Cold. Which is means nothing. As long as there's no wind in a blizzard conditions, I think we're fine. Here, let me look that up. <laughs> Go to the handy dandy internet. Yeah. Handy dandy internet. Um do 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 uh, five degrees Fahrenheit, mostly cloudy. Eleven mile an hour winds. Vikings holding on to their their slim chance of playoff hopes. Need a win. Green Bay can squander that completely with this flat out beating us. I think most Vikings fans would actually be happy if you lost this game. Either way, I'm still taking Green Bay. I think six and a half is a it's a very forgiving from a betting standpoint. This just feels right. Rogers to me has been the clear MVP this year. Maybe Josh Allen takes more of the votes than he should, or than he than he probably will get. He should take more. Uh, I'm taking Rogers Packers six and a half. I'm going to take the over. I think we're going to get some fireworks in this. I think we're going to get good Kirk Cousins in this game. We do like Green Bay, though. Great pass rush. The secondary is playing very, very good. But in matchups where people think Green Bay should just dominate, see the Ravens, the defense can also squander stuff. Jair, Jair Alexander, I thought I read, should be back this week, too. Here, let me look that up for you. Yes. <laughs> Wish would put some cold water. Thielen did go on IR. Thielen is so he's on done IR. for the year. I still, you know, if you want to play Osborne. He's activated. Yeah. Um, so they activated him. So he wouldn't revert to season in injured IR. Okay, okay. Still so appears see. unlikely to play in week 17. So it was basically a playoff activation because they had to. At the 21-day window. Uh, right. He was on he the last on day of his 21-day window. If they hadn't activated him, he would have been on season ending. So they activated him. Um it looks like he will return to practice on Wednesday, so probably game time. One, yeah. re- the newest report from Ian Rappaport says unlikely. Okay, okay. Which should be great for Jefferson. Also, the Either return way. to practice note was from December 8th. So, yeah, probably not ready yet for Alexander. <laughs> That's good for Jefferson. Uh, we have seen the Vikings offense struggle a little bit, um, but... Divisional opponents always throw a little. That always throws a little cold water on what you would expect the scoring to be. Dalvin Cook should be back from Minnesota. Plug him in. Um, it's really Cook Jefferson. You know, Cousins is a fine stream this week. I think though in this matchup on the other side of the ball, Aaron Jones has find found his legs a little bit. All the, you know, he's uh, I think had quite a separation from AJ Dillon the last couple weeks. Yeah, I think with Jones probably being back to where they want him to be from a health standpoint and just being able to lean on Jones more as Rodgers continues to battle this foot and toe problem that he has, easy to lean on the vet in these important games, especially when trying to lock down. We know Green Bay is trying to lock down the number one seed. Yeah, his snap share has gone up each week since week 10, too. He was up to... 
He is 57% against Cleveland. Yeah, okay. And I think A.J. Dillon was... And that's going to be skewed a little bit, too, because they were winning quite handily in that game. Uh, yeah, A.J. Dillon was 43%, so... Yeah. About 60-40 towards Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, obviously. Uh, the real question here is who's the secondary wide receiver you want? Uh, Alan Lazard has gotten good rapport with Rodgers, although Valdez Scantling was uh, was getting plenty of, of run, if you will, before his injury. So uh, I still like Lazard here. He's been the one getting it done recently. Remember, towards the end of the year, where you know you might get a big play out of you know MVS. That's been his. That's been his thing. Well, Lazard, you're, this has been the league. You're looking for a big play out of MVS, and you're looking for a touchdown out of Lazard, pretty much. Yeah, uh, he would probably avoid both of those gambles if he can. Fair enough. Fair enough. Seven, four, and five, by the way, the last three weeks. Target volume for Alan Lazard without Valdez Scantling. Uh, Ooh, got it. 75, felt- 23, and 45 touchdowns in two games, which is why it felt like he was doing better than he was. But 75, yeah. 23, and 45 on the yardage totals for for Lazard. So, I mean, it's not a surefire plug him in. And a Maybe just not right. playing both. and just That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I mean, you get a very soft secondary in Minnesota. So, the... the uh, it's enticing. Excitement could be. It's definitely enticing for sure. I'm almost more enticed by MVS because who's most likely if I have to start one of them to give me a pop play? They, yeah, that's very much true. And we know this game's going to be relatively close to Rod. I mean, you're going to get some fireworks in this game. All right, you ready for the last game? Yep. Let's make Over this fantasy season. Let's make this the best one of the year. I can't wait to talk about this game. Cleveland Browns at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Browns. Three-point favorites on the road. 41 even is the game total. Gross. Baker does, I think, besides the shit game last year and the and the bad weather and his injury, does all right against, against Pittsburgh. Both teams are, I don't think, are they're not out of the playoff um, because the division is still up for grabs. I say just kick back and enjoy the game. Maybe take Pittsburgh because they're the home team. That's, I say, you know, that's, you, that's my great analysis on betting yeah. in this game. <laughs> my final analysis of the season is this. You know what you're going to get out of these teams. It's going to be Nick Chubb, Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson, Jarvis Landry, 27 targets over the last three weeks. Um, you know, starting to look a little bit more like his old self. One touchdown. Um, he is the guy getting targeted. Uh, he will run out of the slot, so it's unlikely that he'll see see a ton of Hayden there. He's Mayfield's. That's is true. Yeah, safety blanket. So, so there's some floor there. I mean, it's looked very Hunter Renfro like. Poor man's Cooper Yay. Cup. Poor man's Cooper Cup. He was Cooper. He was Renfro before Renfro. Yeah, he was Cooper Cup before Cooper Cup. He was Cooper Cup before Cup. Except he didn't play in an offense that produced a lot of touchdowns. Right. Miami. Oh Not wait, Cleveland. hold on. Is he DJ Moore before DJ Moore? He's DJ Moore before DJ. No, because I think Moore plays more outside. 
I think Landry's always been a slack guy. Yeah, productivity wise. He's Brian Hartline. He is. He is pretty. Actually, he's pretty close to DJ Moore productivity wise. That's fucking. That's so good. Especially not athletic and just seasons. He's not athletic, but he's really good out on the slot, and he just commands targets because he plays with quarterbacks that that like to throw to open receivers instead of throwing open receivers. That's it. The we ended it with a whimper. <laughs> Woo! Brown Steelers. Woo! Yeah. Yay. Uh, good luck in your fantasy championship. Got some good people luck. in here rooting on things. I got two games. Chief Steve's so. getting healthy. Burrow, Burrow will struggle. I agree. Who's your daddy? I agree. That's what I said. Even. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. We'll see you guys. Yeah. Uh, we'll be Sunday. back next week. We'll be back on Sunday. Make sure you tune in for that one. Last live stream of the year. Normal time. Normal time because we haven't done it in a while, by the way. I think it's like 11 o'clock. So. Are you going back to that time? Not 10.15? 10.15. Sorry. 10.15 is there normal we go. time. 10.15, guys. 10.15 10. on Sunday. See ya. One zero one five. Central time. By Central. The way. Time zones are, are a real thing. They are. Okay, bye. Bye.